0: Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Boom Biology Podcast. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about predation and human population and what kind of factors affect human population growth and decline. This is one of the last few sections of the ecology chapter, so I hope it goes really well. And we're going to start off with the definitions as always. So predation is the catching, killing, and eating of another organism. A predator is an organism that catches, kills, and eats another organism. Prey is an organism that is eaten by the predator. Parasitism occurs when two organisms of different species live in close association, and one organism, aka the parasite, obtains its food from, and to the disadvantage of, the second organism, the host. An exoparasite lives on the outside of the host, and an endoparasite lives inside the host. And with the learning outcomes then, we're going to talk a little bit about the different kinds of predation, what a predator is, what a prey is. We're going to talk about how do predator-prey relationship and the whole dynamic works. We're going to talk about human population growth, but what kind of factors affect how a population in terms of people grows, and what kind of things can lead to a decline in the human population. So I really hope you enjoyed today's episode, and let's just get right into it. Now first of all, what is predation? Predation is the catching, the killing, and the eating of another organism. So a predator is an organism that catches and kills another organism. The prey is what the predator eats. So a prey is an organism that is eaten by a predator. And predator prey relationships work, and one eats the other. But they have different adaptations to avoid each other. Some types of predators, in order to catch prey, for example, hawks, would have excellent sight. They'd see your hawk way up in the tree and it can spot what it needs to eat. It can spot its prey from miles away. So that would be an example of an adaptation that a predator might have. Also, there's this other example in the marine world in which whelks, right, they have particular type of acid that literally dissolves the shells of things like mussels of limpets of barnacles so it can eat them i think that is so cool and so evil like oh man but think of it you're spraying something it's going to dissolve it's going to lose its protection its shell and then you just eat it that's what a wolf does that is an adaptation that that particular predator has prey in order to survive will have its own adaptations too prey are very they can run incredibly fast they have things like camouflage they can try to fool the predator by having the same color as the environment that they're in so chameleons like think of pascal from tangled he will change his color To so that he looks like he's part of the environment that he's in. And then the predator will be like, oh, but I see this. I don't see the prey that I want to eat. I'm going to move away. Then you have other adaptations that are specific to organisms themselves. So for example, ladybirds, first of all, they have their dark red color. So their dark red color in itself is get away from me. I'm dangerous. But if an organism is still like, I'm going to get you though, the predator will not like the taste at all because ladybirds have what's known as formic acid in them and it's disgusting. So even if it tries to eat one ladybird, that predator will not eat ladybirds again. Predators and prey both live in the same area and predators are going to live in an area depending on how much prey is present in that area. So the availability of food is what is most important for a predator to survive. The number of prey is key for a predator to survive. If there's lots of prey in one area, there's also going to be lots of predators. Then what tends to happen is that the predators tend to eat prey. It's their food. Obviously, they're going to eat it. And they end up eating so much of it that there's barely any prey left. Now, prey, what they do then is try to fool... The predators and be like, We gone, we headed out, we don't exist no more. And you, the predator won't be able to find any prey. But prey hide, prey have their own mechanisms, they don't ever completely wipe out. Well, they might, but it's rare, so very small numbers will continue to exist. But by then, the predator is gone, the predator will not be in that area anymore because all it sees is there's no food, there's no point in me being here anymore. So the prey then, while the predator is gone, will increase its numbers, they'll reproduce, and then it's like come full circle, there's gonna be more prey again, which means that there's gonna be more predators again. And that's how population dynamics work. That's what the graph shape, it's like a U for both predators and prey, and then both of them go down, and then both of them go up. They both go up and down basically together. But predators are the ones who leave the area, prey stay and regrow, now predator prey is one thing one thing the predator will definitely eat the prey but parasitism works a little bit differently than that for parasitism just think of gold digging for example one parasitism occurs when two organisms of different species live in close association and one of them the parasite gets its food from and to the disadvantage of the second organism, the host. So if you're thinking of gold digging, cause that's like the easiest example I can think of. One person is with another person, they're both together, but one is using and taking a resource from the other in gold digging, AKA their money and their wealth. So the gold digger, the person who's taking the money, acts as the parasite as they are taking the resources from the host. From the person who had the wealth at the start so there's two main types of parasites there's exoparasites that live on the outside of the host so think of head lice they live on the outside of your head they're not inside your brain think of mosquitoes you know they bite you and they harm you from the outside and then for or endoparasites. Endoparasites, what they do is they live inside the host. So what you could think about is you could think of tapeworm in the human intestine. You don't see it because the worms grow literally inside you. They grow in your intestine and they damage you. What parasites do is they weaken the host, but they don't kill it. So even again, gold digging, they will often weaken your financial position, but most of the time they're not going to kill you. So parasite numbers Unlike prey-predator relationships, they don't kill you, so your number isn't going to be reduced. The population, most of the time, does not get reduced as a result of parasitism. And we have to remember that parasitism, two organisms living in close association where at least one of them benefits, is a form of symbiosis. In parasitism, though, one has to specifically harm the other, whereas in symbiosis, one benefits, but usually... One will benefit and they're both together. It doesn't matter whether they're they're harming the other person or not. One will benefit in symbiosis. So the definition of symbiosis, again, symbiosis occurs when two organisms of different species live in close association and at least one of them benefits. In parasitism, one will be damaged. In mutualism, both of them will benefit. Both of them are getting something out of this relationship. They're happy. So you could think of, for an example of that, is vitamin B, no, bacteria in your gut. So who are the two species living in there? There's bacteria and then there's you, your gut. And the bacteria, what good does it do for you? It will give you vitamin K and it will give you vitamin B. What are you doing for the bacteria to grow and give you these two resources you're giving the bacteria a place to live and you're also giving it food so the bacteria is happy out and they then give you back vitamin b and vitamin k and that would be an example of mutualism where both of them benefit and if one of them is harming the other then that is parasitism generally symbiosis will make numbers of the organisms both of them to go up because at least one of them is benefiting from the relationship most of the time now we've talked about all different kinds of organisms we've talked about rabbits we've talked about foxes we've talked about grass we've talked about whelks and their awesome evil disgusting mechanism of how they use their acid to destroy the shells again it's awful and gross but it's also very like that's like evil villain stuff so it's interesting too but what about people what affects the human population growth Humans are kind of different in that we do get food, but we're not actively, like, in the forest chasing something, you know? Unless people hunt for fun now. They don't really tend to hunt as a form of survival. But there are many factors that affect human life. War would affect human life. When a war happens, and right now there are wars, you know, in the Middle East, people die and the population size generally decreases when there is a war. Now after the war, usually when soldiers come home, uh, an example of this is World War II, a baby boom would happen. And a baby boom then would cause the population to go up again. You know, people come back home, then they decide to have kids, therefore the population is gonna go back up again. Another factor that would affect human population growth would be things like famine. Famine would mean that there is less food, there's more competition, and not having food reduces your immunity, people are going to die which means that if you die population numbers of people are going to reduce again now in the past like the irish famine had came from the potato blight but current famines there is a lot of food available so if there are famines now for example in yemen most of those famines are man-made it's not that there isn't a lot of food available because there's a load of food available on the planet it's just it's not getting to the people effectively therefore the people die and a famine occurs. Famine would reduce population numbers. Then we have contraception, which means what contraception does is allows a woman, first of all, to have the choice on whether or not she wants kids. So women would be getting more educated. They could choose to get married later in life or they could just not get married and not have kids. It's all up to them. So women are in control, whereas they weren't before. So contraception, since it allows that sense of control and that freedom, you choose to have your kid. Therefore, overall, it causes population numbers to reduce as women may want to pursue more active interests in their lives. And it's very important to be planning families and all of that so that each child that is born grows and is successful on their own merit, and they get all the resources needed. Whereas if you had a lot of kids in the past, it would cause a lot of problems. Anyways, next, things like disease. Disease overall causes population numbers to go down. Why? Because it harms your immunity, you can't fight it, and people will die. Our current example, the coronavirus. It's not a disease, it's a virus, but same principle, you get it and you die because your body immunity stops. And when there's things like a pandemic, a lot of people are getting it at the same time. So a lot of people are going to die from it if you're not getting actively treated. Now a solution to these viruses would be vaccines. What do vaccines do? Vaccines protect people. They prevent them from getting sick. How do vaccines work? You inject a tiny bit an inactive piece of the virus into the person and the person's immune system will develop antibodies or antibodies against it so they think oh the antibodies think oh invasion this can't so they will prepare they'll fight the fake virus that is in there their inactive form and they will remember that this enemy tried to come in and try to harm me So they will remember so that even if you did come in contact with the real thing, you won't get it because your body knows how to fight it now. So vaccines would allow people's numbers to increase because it makes them less susceptible, less likely to actually get the disease. Overall, the human population right now is increasing. It's going up because people have more resources, people have more food. And overall, right now, the birth rate of people isn't going up. There's less births. But what is happening is that people are living more fulfilling lives. Like I said before, there are more resources, there's more access to education. So what is happening is that there isn't an increase in the birth rate, there, there aren't more babies being born. What is happening is that the death rate is declining you have the resources to live, survive, and thrive, and you are going to live longer as a result. So you're going to die later means that there is higher population present. That is how the human population has such an exponential growth. So when you see a graph of the human population, you know that it's mainly really small and it's it steadily increases but then by like the 18 19, early 2000s it goes way up it skyrockets because that was the period the 17 1800s was the imper- period of the industrial revolution so when the industrial revolution happened people were starting to become more wealthy more active they had more resources because they were getting money and due to the quality of life in the cities improved the plague was over so less disease and then As things got better, the population started to go up again, and now the population is growing exponentially as a result. Thank you for listening, and I really hope that this helped you in some way. Don't forget to ask questions. Don't forget to just keep going over it again and again, and bye!